Psalm 136. Let everyone thank God for he is good and he is easy to please. His tender love for us continues on forever. Give thanks to God our King over all gods. His tender love for us continues on forever. And you're going to hear that refrain over and over again. It's supposed to be a call and then a response, you know. So the psalmist would, would speak a phrase and then the audience would respond back. Give thanks to the Lord over all lords. His tender love for us continues on forever. Give thanks to the only miracle-working God. His tender love for us continues on forever. Give thanks to the Creator who made the heavens with wisdom. His tender love for us continues on forever. To Him who formed the dry ground, raised it up from the sea, His tender love for us continues on forever. And the more I read this and the deeper I went into it, the more it became a, a, a quickening word inside my spirit. And I, I was verily, I, mean, I was almost shouting it. If you had stopped by the sanctuary, you'd say, well, pastor's gone off the deep end for sure now because he's shouting his tender love continues on forever. And I just kept, it was, it was like a wave after wave after wave. It was just hitting me. And I would actually encourage praying it out loud like that. And um, maybe we'll do that before this service is over. In fact, today there's going to be a point in this service when I'm going to invite you to pray with me to just have an encounter like I had with the love of God. So after I prayed this and wave after wave of truth hit me and wave after wave of the Lord's presence, I'm not surprised, Annie, that you're experiencing angelic because I was somewhere, but I don't think I was in Wormleysburg, Pennsylvania. But I was, I was in the Spirit, and as I was praying in the Spirit, and wave after wave of this hit me, I just went over and I sat down. And as soon as I sat down, there was just this... Uh, the sense of God's presence and the sense of his love just came over me. And I don't know, in fact, I'm just going to ask the question, have you ever had an encounter with the love of God? If you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then, then you probably know that, you know, the greatest demonstration that God could give us that he loves us is by sending his son. It's, it's just the epitome. It's the pinnacle of everything. But if you let your spirit uh, connect with the truth that is in God's word, and then if you take the challenge, the challenge that Paul laid out in uh, 2 Corinthians, I think it is, where it says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of those uh, whom, uh, whom he loves, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So your eye hasn't seen it, your ear hasn't heard it, and your imagination hasn't thought it. If you, if you let yourself be challenged by that and just kind of uh, begin to meditate on the truth, such as his tender love continues for on forever, you might have an encounter with God. And that's exactly what happened to me. Now, several times in my life, I've had these encounters with God where the Holy Spirit just poured out the love of God within me there's a local pastor who used to say, when the love of God fills your spirit, you could hug a telephone pole. And, you know, I, I, I believe that. Haven't tried it yet, but I mean, you know, it's out there. 
and the the thing the thing that I struggle with and probably some of you do as well is like how how do you how do you go from event like that until the next event and I'm going to just tell you the secret is by regular meeting with the Lord just meet with him daily and and some days will be awesome and other days will just be days but it's not the t length of time it's the regularity it's not you know for me right now I'm just going to tell you to be honest with you and don't think more of me or less of me but I require like now it just where my relationship with the Lord is and just my own desire I just require massive amounts of time just alone with God so that in those moments that he can when I'm silent I'm not saying anything I'm not praying anything necessarily but just let him speak to me in those precious wonderful times uh, God builds and rebuilds and encourages my spirit so like solitary confinement would be like a vacation for me right now I mean it's just uh, where I'm at but that doesn't make me any more spiritual and we're going to talk about that in just a moment it just makes me actually more desperate I'm just more desperate to be in his his presence because there is so much bar bombarding us so many different medias and mediums bombarding us that I just I just want to be able to focus on that one voice that you can't really hear with your ears yet you know so between a massive encounter with the love of God and the next encounter with the love of God, you just do time. You just do every day. And I, I, I just don't, I've met many people and talked to many about this issue, and I, I just don't think there's any shortcut to it. And quite honestly, if I got what I wanted, which was a massive encounter with God every day, it, it would just wreck me. I just couldn't live normal life, you know, and... So sometimes you just need these long seasons where everything is coming after you, you know. So with that being said, I, I actually want to transition into a time of teaching over the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to call it the way of excellence because not long ago I realized this. I had a glimpse of it before, and I suspected it, but now I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced that Cornerstone Fellowship is a fellowship of leaders there's like so many leaders in our in our tribe here i mean there's so many people that either have uh, budding potential leadership skills uh, developing or they are leaders uh, or they're aspiring to become leaders but there are so many leaders in our group and that's a wonderful thing except i'm actually more of a follower than a leader but but you know by assignment I've got to do some leadership so I, I just want to tell you that that uh, the house that we're in is filled with leaders and I, I would suspect if you're watching this morning uh, or, or so, at some point online with us you're probably a leader too and if you're a leader either as a father a mother or a family member or a small business leader or uh, the head of uh, surgery in some uh, hospital somewhere or if you're a leader in ministry wherever leadership has found you or wherever your assignment is I bet you that you have read at least one or two books on leadership 
or that's on your list of things to do. So when you think about that, think about how do we aspire to greater excellence. And I'm just going to tell you that meeting with other church leaders and everybody learning how to do uh, ministry differently than we did uh, a year ago, um, most of us are saying things like, we just need our teams to, to lead with greater excellence. Everywhere I go, the word excellence is popping up all over the place. Now, I used to run into that in business all the time. And, and I've been to conferences, and maybe you've been. I've been to workshops, and maybe you've been. I've read books, and, and maybe you have as well. But I'm going to just tell you, it's just our luck that the Bible actually talks about the way of excellence. And it's a way that no one would ever think of. It's the way of love. So there's really no one. Back in the back of the auditorium, I have a packet that I printed off the internet, someone who has 20 steps or 20 ideas for better leadership, better excellence, excellence in leadership. And I started reading down through the list, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, every one of these things are covered by leading with love. Go figure, you know. So anyway, um, it, that's where I'm headed. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to develop this thought and this theme. So we're going to go into 1 Corinthians 13. And that's the chapter that is probably the most famous in all of the New Testament. You know, John 3.16 would be the most famous verse, but the 1 Corinthians 13, because in there it talks about love, we use it in marriages, and we, you know, and unfortunately, we probably don't use it in marriage again until the next time we have a crisis, and we pull it out and start reading it again, and and at least we read it to each other and say, you know what, love is really, you know, different than what I'm receiving right now. So um, I just think that it's unfortunate to restrict it just to marriage, although there's a great application in marriage. And I think that it's unfortunate that we restrict it just to exercising gifts in the church, although there's a great application for that. But I think that there is something that we have yet to tap into. And I believe that it's connected to the love of God. And there's going to be a thought here that I think is going to be new for some of us. But I really believe that there is a key to the way of excellence, to living a life of excellence, to ministering in excellence, to serving with excellence, to volunteering with excellence, to serving you know, our world in a hundred days, you know, uh, with excellence. I think there's going to be a key here that you might not have considered. And the Lord just pointed it out to me, so I'll just point it out to you. And I'm, I'm sorry, I just stole it from the Bible, you know, so just, I didn't think of it myself, you know. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 13, it is introduced with this, this verse in chapter 12 that says, I show you still a more excellent way. So in, in fairness, Paul was talking about spiritual gift and people exercising their spiritual gifts. Oh, so much talk about it. Oh, so much controversy about that. And I'd love to just go into that right now, but I just don't have time. Uh, but I will say this, that when he lays down just a very solid teaching on the way that um, uh, spiritual gifts should, should operate, 
and the unity that should come from it and everybody taking their part and being a part of it. Then he transitions by saying, and yet I show you still a more excellent way. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, where you'll read these words. If I speak, now I'm going to show you that uh, again and again he says if. I'm not saying that you do, but he said if, if you do. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, you, you, you remember this, right? If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Can I just stop for one second and say, reading the love motive factor in Paul's uh, admonition here is so crucial. If you read into it, you shouldn't be praying in tongues. That's the wrong application. Or if you do, you're just kind of a, like a annoying symbol. Donk, 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 you know. You know it's, it's not what he's saying. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, is there anyone besides me remembering Jesus saying, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can, you can say this mountain be moved, you know? Yeah. If I have faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And then next week we'll go into what love is and what love is not. And I, I actually want to talk about what I would call the, the love triangle. It's the Godhead in the Trinity, the love of God in the Trinity. And I can't just stay away from that subject a little bit today, but I, I just remember that if I read in, well, for those of you who have a Bible, just go to uh, Jude. Okay, so Jude is the one I married, and um, in my house, I say, hey, Jude. Well, in the book of Jude, which is only one chapter long, isn't it interesting that we read in verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And for those of you who understand the phrase pray in the Spirit, when Paul says he prays in the Spirit and he prays with the understanding, you obviously know that he's saying sometimes he prays in tongues or other languages, and sometimes he prays in his uh, normal tongue his normal language. So he said both are, are legitimate prayers and you speak to God. So um, now in Jude, it tells us that by praying in the Spirit, you can keep yourself in the love of God. 
while you're waiting for Jesus to come. I don't know if you noticed, but that is actually a legitimate reason to keep on praying in the Spirit. And so sometimes in Romans 8, it speaks of it as well. Paul talked about how that we groan with inside of ourselves, just like creation groans. But sometimes you don't have the words, and the Holy Spirit just prays through you. And thankfully, we, we don't know what we're saying. We're just praying, and the Spirit is actually making an appeal through us to the Father, uh, through Jesus Christ. So Paul says, if I do that, if I pray that way, if I pray in tongues, and I have the ability to not only see angels, but I pray in the tongues of angels or the tongues of men, uh, but I don't have love, then I'm, I'm nothing. And same thing with prophecy. If I pray, if I prophesy, if I give, if I surrender, if I have, over and over again, he says this. And if we took the time, and I just don't have the time to do it today, but if we took the time, every one of those things that Paul lists, that when he says, if you do these things, Jesus himself specifically taught us to do those things. So what is the problem? The problem isn't in doing those things. The problem is the motivation behind it. So he says, when you do them, do them in love. The most vulnerable time in my own spirit on a Sunday morning is when I'm walking up to this podium. Because when I walk up to this podium, um, everything that is rushing into my mind right now, because I want to be someone who is motivated by love. I want to be someone who's motivated by the Spirit of God, and I want to speak accurately, you know, and I really want to share words of truth and words of life. And there is just enough fear in me to remember passages that say that I will be held accountable before God for the things that I say in moments like this. That's one of the most vulnerable times in my life is when I walk up to speak, but then isn't that really where we live, each and every one of us who are believers in Christ, are we not responsible before God for our speech everywhere we go? The second most vulnerable time is after I've done speaking, because if I go to you and my greeting to you is hoping that you'll say that you did a good job in speaking, you know, that somehow that just kind of muddies things. That's not what I want to do. That's not what you want to do. I just want to tell you that what we do, if we do it with excellence, Paul would say, here's a more excellent way. Do it in love. Everything you do, whatever it is that you do, do it in love. But here's the disconnect, because when I say do it in love, we're Western-thinking uh, people, and our minds and our ears hear something other than what um, Paul was, was uh, striving for. What Americans hear when they say, do it in love, that, I mean, that's where the criticism against the church is it's very broken, it's very divided, and it's not very loving. Or we use the word love in so many different ways, like I love football, I can't wait to watch the game, or, you know, I love French fries, or I, I love ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream, you know? There's... Or, or the, then there's another way in which we confuse it is love and sex. You know, love and sex get confused so much in our culture today. 
But if we were to read it with Paul's background and his mind, his understanding, what he says is that if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have agape, which is the Greek word for the love of God, the highest form of love. It is a sacrificial love. It is a self-sacrificial kind of love. It is the highest form of love. And if I could just unfold that for just a moment and just take you to this one spot, just think about this one thing for a moment with me. And if it doesn't blow your brains out, I don't know what will. But the scriptures actually say in 1 John 4, he says there, he says that God is God is love. He says God is agape. El Elohim is agape. He actually says it twice in that chapter. And then he talks about a perfect love, and that perfect love is the love that has been tested, the love that has been tried. So, when Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have the love of God, I've become an annoying symbol or clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and have all knowledge and I can teach the Bible every way from Sunday and I don't have the agape, the love of God. If I have faith so as to remove mountains, oh God, give us a supernatural gift of faith to pray for this country right now, to pray for Myanmar right now, mm -hmm. to pray for the love of God to be poured out in our heart. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray with me a prayer and just say, God, would you fill me with the love of God? Just give me a new encounter with the love of God. So love, we find out, is actually when it's agape, it's a noun. You know, when it's agapeo, it's a verb. So we say that God is love. You don't turn it around and say love is God, that's what our world wants to believe, that, you know, you just replace the word God with the word love, and then it all works, and that's how the world can get along with the church when the church is preaching the love of God, because we think that we can love the way God loves, and I'm telling you, I've tried. You can't do it. It can't be done. A human cannot love like God. Because if you think you can, either your estimation of yourself is higher and inflated than it should be, or your estimation of God is much lower than it ought to be. See, when, when, you know, when we say that God is love, this, this means that in eternity past, before there was anything, the Father had a burning, passionate 
love and desire for his son, Jesus Christ. Only we didn't know him as Jesus Christ. He was just the eternal son of God. So the first member of the Trinity had such passionate love for the second member of the Trinity. And likewise, the second member of the Trinity, the son, had so much passionate love for his father that the father wanted to glorify his son and the son wanted to honor his father. It just was this love cycle thing going on. And then we're like, but what about the Holy Spirit? Where does he fit in? God is a consuming fire, the fire of God's love, the fire of his power, the fire of his passion, the fire of his holiness is the spirit. So the the father's love for the son was in the passion of the Holy Spirit and the honor and the love of the son for his father was in the passion and the love of the spirit of God. And the Father and the Son love the Holy Spirit. They love. He creates out of nothing. He creates. He heals. He restores. He glorifies. He magnifies. He is the source of love. The source of the love of God is in the burning bush of the Holy Spirit. That's why... In Romans chapter 5, Paul says that the love of God is shed abroad or poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So that's why Jude would say you should pray in the Spirit and let that love sustain you while you wait for Jesus to come. So what... What, what I'm suggesting here is that, that you can't have a tsunami of love. You can't have a hurricane of love. You can't have an atomic kind of love just absolutely reside within itself and keep going for eternity. At some point, it's going to explode and begin to create a universe and begin to create a planet and begin to create people. And the object of everything created is so that God could love it, us. No, love is not God. God is God. And he is love. So what Paul is saying is, you know, when you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, when the, when the Holy Spirit has been poured into your heart and you have had an encounter with God, you've been born again, you are transformed, you're renewed from the inside out. With that kind of encounter with God, you could hug a telephone pole, as I said. Or any, well, how about another human, another person? You can actually go with the love of God. Going in the love of God is the way we should always go. But I'm here to testify, in my experience, I encounter God like that on occasion and not every day. Most of the time when I encounter the love of God, I encounter it in either a time of devotion or in a time of fellowship in another human being. There can reside the love of God. 
And that love of God can touch me, can change me, can transform me, can take me from, you know, you know, depression and uh, oppression and uh, self-doubt, self-loathing and self-criticism uh, and take me from a time like that and suddenly infuse life because it's actually the love of God through a person back to me and, and God begins to speak to me and God begins to nurture me. What I'm saying is that uh, earlier in this week, I had one of those moments where I encountered the love of God just stumbled onto him because I was reading a psalm. Just reading a psalm. And God encountered me. And I wish that I could tell you that I feel that same emotion right now. So here's the deal. This is the way we do this in excellence, is that we begin to say, okay, first of all, God, I want to encounter you in such a way so that I am filled with the love of God. And I want to do everything I do in the love of God. That is the ultimate. Amen? You ready? Let's stand up together. Let's pray. Okay. Many people need heal. Many people need a miracle. Many people need uh, various things from God right now. I'm very aware of that. And I'm very sensitive to the fact that there are many who need miracles right now. And I know that oftentimes we associate miracles with God's love. And um, I get that because when God has healed me, I have felt loved. I have truly felt loved when he healed me. But I'm going to tell you something else. I have felt loved when I knew my sins were forgiven. I have felt loved when I looked at the scriptures and see God so loved this world, including me that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but that they would have eternal love, eternal life, joy, and abundant uh, experience in the presence of God. Times of refreshing. I love revivals. I love encounters with God. I love those things. I absolutely live for that. But I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, most, most times, I, that's not where I live. But God often touches us and encounters us. So if you need a miracle, God loves you so much that he has a miracle for you. And it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be this week, but there is a miracle. Let me just tell you. I'll look into the camera and tell you there's a miracle that God has for you. And it started with Jesus, but it doesn't end there. Jesus is still doing miracles.